More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, hour number three, Wednesday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Go subscribe to the podcast. You won't miss a moment. Yesterday we had one guest, Riley Gaines. Today we have had one guest, Betsy DeVos. Both were fantastic, both in hour number two. You can go subscribe to the podcast and you will not miss a moment of the show. Plus you'll get unique podcast extras. All you have to do is search out my name, Clay Travis, search out Buck Sexton, and while you're there, you can give us five stars. So Joe Biden, as we speak right now, Buck, is in Ireland on a state visit. And I thought, as we were just talking about the persecution that is occurring of former President Trump by the Biden Department of Justice and by Democrat state law, uh, state DAs across the country, I thought to myself, I don't know that there has been a more perfect visual representation of two standards of justice in the Biden administration, maybe, frankly, not in the 21st century in the United States, than the FBI has had Hunter Biden's laptop since December of 2019. That is, for three and a half years, they have had ample evidence of a myriad of felonies committed by Hunter Biden and documented by Hunter Biden. I've got the big uh, Marco Polo book. One of my uh, one of my friends sent it to me, Buck. I don't know if you've heard about this Marco Polo collection, but it basically adds up all of the Hunter Biden felonies and lays it out for you in incredible detail, pulled off the laptop itself. So I was reading through, thumbing through that recently, It is basically a roadmap to any prosecutor in America. Hey, here's 40 felonies that you could potentially charge Hunter Biden with. Dead to rights, his own laptop, no evidence basically at all that he didn't do these acts because he filmed them, because he provided the evidence of the crime himself. And that doesn't even include all of the potential Biden crime family revelations. I think Fox News came out recently and said, maybe it was a New York Post, 
that there had been 80 different Hunter Biden business partner visits to the Biden White House so far. I mean, it's pretty extensive. Most people, when faced with having a crackhead son who had committed dozens of felonies and documented it all on his own laptop, would be a little bit abashed, perhaps a bit ashamed of the behavior of Hunter Biden. Let's not forget not lying breathe. about and denying paternity with uh, with a stripper that he yeah. impregnated. As one which, does. Who would be Joe Biden. It's not, that's not Joe Biden's grandchild. It's correct. He lied about paternity. Yes. Uh, and by the way, that might be like the 864th worst thing that Hunter Biden has done in his life, right? Is lie about the paternity of a stripper baby. But... You would think if there was any notions of fair play or justice, and if Joe Biden actually had a functional brain, that he would say, hey, Hunter, I don't think it's good a good idea for you to get on Air Force One and accompany me as an official traveling partner with the United States delegation. Yet that is exactly what Hunter Biden did. Buck, I was just, uh, during this commercial break, Joe Biden was trying to respond to a question from a kid. He couldn't understand the kid because his brain doesn't work and he can't process information anymore. Hunter Biden steps forward with him to provide an explanation of what the kid asked and how his dad might be able to answer it. They are trying to put the chief political rival of Joe Biden, in prison. And they are simultaneously in one of the most arrogant moves in American presidential history. They are simultaneously taking a felon with dozens of felonies that the FBI knows he has committed, brazenly putting him on Air Force One and making him a part of the delegation going to Ireland. Buck, I can't think of a more holy crap moment than this when you contrast what's going on with trump and what is uh, the the free pass the get out of jail free card effectively that hunter biden is getting and they're even drawing attention to it because he's traveling as a part of the american delegation i i do think that this is a a perfect example of and i, and I don't call this out call out the hypocrisy we know they're hypocritical they know they're hypocritical they don't care right so while we can note and should note when it's going on. It's not like telling them or pointing out or even proving to Democrats that they have two sets of rules and, and really no principles is going to change their behavior. I, I the will point say is, this, Buck. I understand that the, argument. The point I do is that think they the have people who decide um, the election. power and, and they're able to do these things. Uh, so with Hunter Biden, I think it's interesting because they've made the case I'm sure with some of these prosecutors and, and some of these individuals who are, have looked into Hunter's obvious crimes, it's just politically, they turn it into a political question. And, you know, it wouldn't be right to go after the president's son because of all of the implications and the stability of our democracy. And, and yet when it comes to Trump, oh, for the stability of our republic and the rule of law, even though it's an, a massive interference in an election, in politics, and, and everything else, we can see right now what's going on and, and how they're pushing it forward anyway, right? I mean, that's the situation. Yeah, and I think, Buck, more than anything else, what this represents, the hypocrisy, I do think, is is an issue. 
I think the hypocrisy is an issue only in this case. Yes, Democrats know they're being hypocrites. I do think that the way you win elections is by making people who are middle of the road and or persuadable aware of the hypocrisy. And that's why I've said, and, and I may end up being wrong about this, I've said if they're going to really go after Trump aggressively, and it appears quite clear that they are when it comes to charges against Trump, I said I don't understand how in any way the Department of Justice, in particular the FBI, which has had this crystal clear evidence of all of Hunter Biden's crimes for three and a half years, how they can't do anything at all. Because I thought the way they would pull it off is they would say, okay, we're charging Trump. He's not above the law as a former president. We're also charging Hunter Biden. He's not above the law as the son of the president. It doesn't seem like they even are willing to use that fig leaf of an argument, because let's be honest, Trump is an infinitely larger target than Hunter Biden. The impact of Trump being charged with crimes could potentially change the presidential election. The impact of Hunter Biden getting charged with crimes is what? He ends up, worst case scenario, having to spend some time in prison that is relatively inconsequential. He has to pay the legal fees. Right. He has to defend himself. What I meant before is just that they they are... I think the the self-justification for some of the people who have looked at this, other than just the blatant partisans, right? They're people who don't yes. care and they don't pretend. But I think they've convinced themselves that it's not fair to prosecute Hunter Biden for obvious crimes because it would tarnish the sitting president and therefore the political implications outweigh the legal. And it's just it's fascinating because they make the exact the other yes. argument is being made about Trump that you have an active political candidate, they're trying to derail him and destroy him in an active campaign because it's so necessary for the rule of law in our republic, right? So the whole thing is preposterous. And most people out there, if you had a crackhead son that you knew was under federal investigation, that they had dead to rights on dozens of felonies, would you want the crackhead son drawing attention to himself all the time? That is where the brazenness of this comes in, too. Because you know, not even that they're charging a buck. It's that Joe Biden is saying, you guys, and again, i got to be careful, you guys in this government are such pussy willows. It doesn't matter what my family does. You won't do squat about it. Here he's coming with me now to Ireland. He's chilling on Air Force One. Deal with it, you wimps. That's basically what's going on here. I, I think also the, the drug stuff and the prostitutes and the strippers and all of that, you know, that's the kind of stuff that if you, if they don't catch you when you're doing it, they'll make a, oh, it, law enforcement resources argument and we can't, you know, that's stuff I think you might, you might if be Donald able to hold, Trump hold on, Jr. Wait, wait, wait. had a laptop buck that was filled with him grabbing hookers all over the country and flying them all over the place yeah, and course. documented that he was playing I've, them. I've made that argument. Like, You've made oh, that argument. That's, yeah. very, that's very clear. But what I'm just saying is the stuff that, you don't get to skate on from um, forget about the politics and the media and like how yeah. they you know handle this stuff. The stuff you don't get to skate on is not paying taxes on millions of dollars yes. of income from foreign governments that you're funneling through LLCs. Like that for a normal person, that is that is certainly pleading to a charge. It might be prison time. It's a felony, and they're just like, oh, he he paid some of it back, and it's no big deal, and they. The money laundering slash tax evasion component of the Hunter Biden situation, which is directly tied, by the way, to the influence peddling of the Biden name and, and the family and access to his dad, 
That's the part of it where you're like, how do you, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, oh, yeah. Th- that's the stuff that you don't just say, oh, well, you know, he did some drugs years ago. He's an addict. What can you do? That stuff other people would go to prison for. Not only that, Buck. Remember where they were doing this for what countries he was acting? Ukraine and China. The two places that are the most integral in American foreign policy conflict right now. It's not as if Hunter Biden got caught doing shady work for Costa Rica, Jamaica, and, you know, the Maldives or something. You might sit back then and say, okay, like, you know, he's trying to get a resort built and he's trying to get American help. That's like shady and it probably shouldn't happen, but we're not going to war with Costa Rica. The Maldives is not going to get invaded. This is Ukraine and China, literally the two countries that if you were going to point to and say, what is the very essence of the biggest challenges in American foreign policy facing our country today, you would say China and Ukraine. That's who was paying Hunter Biden tens of millions of dollars. And they're going to get away with it. I don't think we, we've, we've gone to this. Do you think there are charges right now? There'll be charges this just, year against Hunter Biden at this stage I of the game? I don't understand. I can't imagine. It, this is where I just come back to. Who's our who's our uh, FBI director right now? What's his name? Uh, Christopher Ray. Christopher Ray. If Christopher Ray has an actual ounce of testosterone in his body, Buck, and I'm going to tie into this in a minute with our ad, but if he had an ounce of testosterone in his body, I don't understand how he could take this direct disrespect, right? They are just rubbing the FBI's nose in it. When Hunter Biden shows up, and I said this before, Buck, remember, Hunter Biden for the family Christmas trip, he flew from California to D.C. to ride on Air Force One down to South Carolina. He didn't. He could have just flown to South Carolina on his own and met the family there. No, no. He flew to D.C. to walk up the stairs and be on Air Force One with Joe Biden. Now he's getting on Air Force One and going on a legitimate state visit and accompanying his dad to all of the events. If you're Christopher Ray, and if you have testicles that have descended, if you have any testosterone in your body at all, how do you take your agency just getting thoroughly lobotomized and embarrassed and emasculated by what the Biden administration's doing? Well, one answer might be you got really low testosterone to start with. And that is something that could make a big difference in your life because testosterone for men, it's actually a really good thing. Make sure that you have the energy, the vim, the vigor, the vitality, so that you're not basically impotent like our FBI when this loser president decides that his son can get away with doing whatever he wants. And in fact, you know that testosterone levels are down 50% in the last 50 years in this country? Probably in the FBI, too. Probably way more than that in the FBI, which is unfortunate. Maybe that's why Joe Biden getting away with all the things that he is. Because they need more testosterone inside of FBI. Need more testosterone inside of the Biden White House. Chalk will take care of you. Natural energy supplements specially formulated to give you the kind of energy and focus you need to maximize every opportunity. Leading ingredient is uh, missing testosterone. Natural ability to bring back testosterone. 20% increase in your testosterone in the next 90 days. That's the driver, the catalyst to so much missing energy out there. How do you get hooked up? You go to chalk.com. Listen carefully. That is chok.com. Chok.com. 35% off any chalk subscription for life when you use my name, Clay, C-L-A-Y, in your purchase process. Chalk.com is how 
The website is spelled and use my name, Clay, 35% off for life. Do it today. From the front lines of freedom and truth. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in, Wednesday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll into the chaos that is the modern America universe. Uh, Hunter Biden. Hopped on a plane to go visit Ireland with his dad. An absolute insult to anyone out there who wonders why the FBI hasn't prosecuted him in three and a half years. Elon Musk goes off on the BBC, and we're going to play a cut for you on that uh, momentarily. The first Republican debate is going to be on Fox News and Rumble in Milwaukee in August. Trump sat down with Tucker and NPR has abandoned Twitter because they find that their feelings were hurt over being branded as state-affiliated media. But, Buck, you and I spend a lot of time talking about how fundamentally dishonest much of the media is in their coverage. And I'm not talking primarily when I say that about people who share their opinions, right? I'm talking about how the narrative gets set, how it all gets baked, how many people out there come to believe what they believe, even when 
there is not a substantial basis of support for it. Um, and I woke up this morning and I saw you looking at it, watching it. And it certainly has gone viral in general. Elon Musk sat down for an interview with the BBC. Uh, and there are a bunch of different angles on this story. Uh, but I wanted to hit this one in particular. Uh, the BBC reporter said that Twitter was, quote, full of hateful content. We're going to play this audio for you in a moment. But maybe more significant, Buck, is that Elon Musk has now cut the Twitter employees from 8,000 Twitter employees, which is how many there were when he purchased the company, to 1,500. He has cut roughly 80% of all of Twitter employees. And what's fascinating is he says that on a cash flow basis, Twitter was on the way to losing $3 billion. That is being wildly unprofitable. And based on firing 80% roughly of all the Twitter staff, he now is set to have Twitter as a break-even company. And importantly, company seems to be working basically the same that it was before, which suggests there's an awful lot of fat. And Buck, when I see something like that, I wonder, what percentage of our government employees, since tax day is coming up very close, what percentage of government employees do you think could be fired and no change whatsoever occur in the overall functioning of the United States government. In a lot of federal agencies, I think you could, in one fell swoop, get rid of 50% of the employees in one day without even, yeah. without even really thinking about restructuring in any specific way. Just say, okay, these departments are at X, we're going to cut them down to Y, and you, I don't think you would notice a difference in, in a lot of them. And there are, and there are also obviously whole agencies fair. I think you could get rid of where, yeah, I mean, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a disruption in the system, but I think it would be fine. So when I, I saw mean, that I 80% in, in a for profit corporation, Buck, when I started as a young lawyer, I was kind of blown away by how inefficient big corporate, um, big corporate entities could be because technically they're trying to be for profit. And they were inefficient, and it was eye-opening for me because I thought to myself, my goodness, if they're inefficient and they're for-profit, the government has to be orders of magnitude worse. I also think, not to get too deep into the financial prospects of Twitter pre-Elon, but think about this. I mean, the guy understands a balance sheet and how to grow a company. If he had to do this just to avoid putting it on a path to bankruptcy, the previous management that was doing all of the coordination with the FBI, suppressing stuff uh, that was damaging to Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop, all the things that we saw. The previous Twitter ownership must have just been on a descent, you know, uh, course into the side of the mountain. And you say to yourself, well, what was the what was the plan there? It must have been that some left wing billionaire was going to come along and either infuse them with cash you know, they were going to come along with maybe some private equity money or something and just keep propping this up. But they weren't propping it up because it's a great business. Those individuals would have been propping it up because it serves the political and cultural interests of left wing narrative control. That that has to be what was going on or it was just going to go bankrupt. Fifty four twenty was the purchase price that Elon Musk bought it for. And I was a Twitter shareholder. I had been for a long time. I think Twitter stock would be 17 or 18 dollars a share in this current economic environment if Elon Musk hadn't bought it for 5420 but Elon Musk sat down for an interview with the BBC 
And I just want you to listen to this entire exchange. And I think this is important, Buck, because Trump taught many Republicans how to fight. And I still think there are far too few Republicans who are willing to fight as it pertains to the dishonesty of the media. But I just want you to listen to this this exchange and think to yourself, why can't more people do this? Listen. Hang on a second. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks. And I, well, then how did you see the hateful content? content? Because I've been, I've, been using, I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you, for you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. Right. And, and you I, can't give a single I, one. And, and, and I'm saying... I, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed... You just lied. What, no, no, what I claimed was uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether, whether it has a my feed or example. not... So what, what Elon has done here, and by the way, this is, this is really a, a course in how journalism is supposed to go, you can't just allow someone to evade. If they make a statement, you have to have them either back it up or they can admit that they said something in error or, you know, they, they misspoke or they're using talking points and they shouldn't do that, which is what happened here. But I think this is not only a window into how journalists in general, and I, I hate all these people who are always saying, Oh, but what about, what about Fox News and what about talk radio? And it's like, what is it? 5% of the, global journalism landscape maybe maybe i mean that's you know, that's putting it uh, generously i think and if the journo establishment had their way they would shut all that down too we'd go back to the fairness doctrine and fox news wouldn't be allowed to exist and, and all the rest of it right but clay beyond that what you see with the hateful hateful speeches on the rise on the on the platform um is is reminiscent of the lie that they were caught in when they shut down parlor but not Facebook, when there was far more right before yes. the election and there was far more egregious stuff being posted on Facebook than was being posted on Parler. And they said, well, it's because Parler wasn't doing enough moderation. That was why Amazon Web Services kicked it off. To the left, the real, yes, he's just using the talking points and this guy obviously is is a sheep and doesn't know anything and Elon Elon uh, fleeced the sheep, if you will, in front of all of us. Um, but hateful to the left just means stuff I don't like. Yes. That's what it actually means. They use that term because it weaponizes their like and dislike of something, but they don't actually mean hateful in the sense that anybody else would understand it. I also think this is a master class on how to handle a journalist. And let me just be clear. Most journalists are not particularly smart, and they don't work that hard. They are cogs in the machine. They are willing to accept whatever the narrative is. And I want to give you an indication, and I'm not saying we're going to be perfect and always avoiding constructs like this, but whenever you hear a journalist preface a question by saying something like, people say, or some people say, and once you start to pay attention to it, you will notice it all the time. People say, some people say. Well, people say everything. There, I, I could say... To, uh, to anyone, people say that the moon landing was faked. Yes, some people do say that. People say that we are living in a simulation and none of this is real. Yes, people do say that. But when you allow people say, or some people say, 
to preface, preface a question that allows you to further your narrative, right? That is dishonest journalism. Now, this guy got called out on it, and what you'll see is very often these kind of questions, people say, some people say, there is no underlying foundational basis because the journalist is lazy, often not very smart, and not particularly talented. What Elon Musk did there is demonstrate the narrative is, oh, there's tons of hateful content. And in fact, before that part was cut off, he said, well, there's somewhat, you know, there's slightly sexist commentary. And I believe I'm paraphrasing there. I think it was slightly sexist was the phrase. And Elon Musk said, wait a minute, what do you mean by slightly sexist? And why should it be banned? And who is the determination of what is sexist or what is racist? This is perfect. Everybody needs to do this. And the other thing I would tell everybody out there in politics and in media, make sure that you do either live interviews or you record the entire thing. Do not allow the journalist to talk to you for an hour and take two minutes of what you said and put it in the context and narrative he or she prefers. You know, you'll often hear about um, lies of exaggeration, right? A lie of exaggeration. Like if you... And and this will come up in the workplace if you say you know well um, I'm a I'm a you know Mandarin Chinese uh, speaker and that actually means that you can say five words I mean technically you could try to claim but really that's a that's a lie of exaggeration right There's also the lie of there's a lie of scale um, and lie of scale is when let's say a person who is affiliated with the left does something awful. And then CNN goes on air, pulls, they've done this to me, by the way, where they'll just pull a random tweet from a random person. This is back in the pre-Trump era. And they'll say, did you see this horrible thing this person wrote on the internet? And I look at them and I wanted to say, what does that have to do with anything? Like, I, right. like why? But they're trying to present what is finite, random, and unimportant and rare as massively common, important, and powerful. To make a point about about narrative, they do this with hate speech all the time. They do this with what they call racism, what they claim to be racism or racist all the time. And think about the effect of this. Like after, um, you know, e- e- look, even after the the Nashville uh, shooting by the trans terrorists, still no manifesto. By the way, I'm not letting Correct. this go. Still no manifesto. How many weeks are going to pass? Sixteen um, days. And after that, what do the, what does the left immediately fall on? Oh, oh, there's such a rise in in hate speech against the trans community online. And, and we're all supposed to say, oh, well, hold on. I guess we can't speak the truth about what happened here. Is there a rise in hate speech? Who's doing the hate speech? What are you what are you basing this against? Clay, they used to do this the same thing when there were jihadist ISIS uh, terror attacks. The response you would get from libs always after some guy was like, I'm doing this for ISIS and Allah and Allahu Akbar and try to run people over in a car, blow them up was. Oh, there's a rise in anti-Islamic hate speech online. Why? Because two or three morons don't know the difference between what one person does versus what, you know, everybody is doing. It's, it's, they do this all the time, though. This is how the media op, you've got some. Oh, yeah. Media Matters, which is probably the dumbest organization on the planet. But you're mentioning this and reminds me on Friday, uh, the headline, Fox Corp's Clay Travis amplified his anti-trans rhetoric after the Covenant shooting. I'm reading their headline, subheadline. Clay Travis focused discussion on the shooter's gender to stoke a caustic culture war. And then here's the opening paragraph, Buck. Founder of Fox Corp's Outkick Media, Clay Travis is a right-wing conspiracy theorist 
and Fox News contributor known for using outrage over his stunts and conspiracy theories. They got conspiracy theories twice in the same opening sentence to generate an audience for his platform. Travis has a history of making sexist and now anti-trans comments. This is the kind of world that we live in. It's a fundamentally dishonest media, and I love when I see smart people like Elon Musk calling it out. Look, insurance meant to protect and assist you in a time of need. Health, car, home, life insurance, all got a purpose. There's also something we call food insurance. That's having a solid supply of emergency food on hand. If and when there's a disruption of service in your area or a natural disaster of some sort, you're going to appreciate having emergency food in your house. That's why we have Five of these My Patriot Supply kits right now in the Travis household. One for me, one for my wife, one for all three of our kids. Three months emergency food kit. You can get your own by going to go uh, go to mypatriotsupply.com. Special price before it ends. Three month emergency food kit. Over two thousand calories in each day uh, for optimal strength and energy in this stressful situation. If you need to use it, these kits will last for years. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, drink, snacks. You'll be glad to have it. Do it today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Save $200 on each kit your family needs. Insurance for your family's food in the house. These kits, my wife was ecstatic to have it. I am too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Free shipping. MyPatriotSupply.com. One more time. MyPatriotSupply.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. Second hour of Clay and Buck begins, everybody. And uh, we're going to talk about the lawsuit that Bragg filed against Jim Jordan, Congressman of Ohio, uh, a little later this hour. Because first up, we have Betsy DeVos with us now. She's the former uh, Trump administration education secretary. And uh, Betsy, appreciate you calling into the program. Thanks for having me. So we've got this big Title IX issue that the Biden administration uh, presents the American people with um, involving transgenderism and Title IX protection and sports. And can you just lay out for everybody exactly what's going on here? Well, uh, very simply, this administration is in a massive overreach trying to uh, di- dismiss the notion of biological sex and uh, basically government-wide ru- um, impose and jam an agenda down the throats of the American people that would uh, would force everyone to recognize um, a, a individual however they claim to be at any given moment, whether it's male or female, uh, biological or not. And this has everything to do with uh, the rules protecting girls, women's access to an ability to compete in sports. Um, if they are successful with what they are attempting to do, uh, it, it essentially wipes away this notion of women's sports by allowing uh, biological males to compete on women's teams. Now, they're trying to uh, thread a needle that isn't, simply isn't threadable by uh, putting out a, a proposed rule that would allow for um, precluding biological men to compete in some cases. But all the conditions they're putting around it will suggest and say very clearly um, that they won't be acceptable and, and uh, you know, it, they just won't happen and that anyone who wants to play on a women's team 
uh, regardless, will have that opportunity. It's a total affront to girls and women who are working hard, training hard, and uh, spending hours and hours in in gyms or on fields or wherever um, trying to hone their skills uh, to know that at any time or any point, a biological male can come and basically beat, um, you know, win the state title or win the championship. Betsy, you're 100% right on all this, and thanks for coming on, because I, I feel like you gave us a, a hint that this was coming, and it's still staggering. And I just want to kind of give a little background here. Title IX basically requires equal scholarships for girls athletes and, and, and men athletes, boys and girls, in pretty much every college in America. What the Biden administration is doing is they're saying now what we saw happen with Leah Thomas, a man's swimmer, men's swimmer who decides to identify as a woman and then wins an NCAA championship would actually be far more common and it would be more difficult to prohibit that from happening. So that's the backstory. But I want to get your reaction to this. When you see Megan Rapino, U.S. women's soccer player who has spent much of her career fighting for equal pay for women, and when you see Sue Bird, a WNBA player, come out basically endorsing this Biden administration policy and fighting back against the idea that women's sports should just be for women, how do you respond to that? Well, it makes no sense, uh, particularly from individuals who themselves have benefited from having women's sports dedicated to female, biological females playing them. And, uh, and, and I, I think it's, it's nothing but a political ploy to um, make sure not to run afoul of anybody who would uh, attack them. I mean, just look at how Riley Gaines was treated at San Francisco State University last week when she just simply wanted to go and talk about the importance of protecting women's sports and women's, uh, you know, the ability of only biological women to play on women's teams. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the um, agenda of this far left is loud and it's getting louder. And, um, and, and I think some of the folks who are, are acting like they're going along with it are doing so simply because it seems the simplest and, and easiest thing to do. But they know in their heart of hearts it's, it's dead wrong. We're speaking to Betsy DeVos. She was Education Secretary under uh, President Trump. And, and Betsy, what, what would be the next step, you think, beyond uh, what the Biden administration's already put forward for this Title IX ruling about about sports, because th- this was in the making for a while. We had known there was some advance word that the Biden White House was considering this. What is the next step in the trans agenda as this White House is likely to un- unveil it, perhaps if there is a second Biden term or perhaps before even the 2024 election is complete? Well, they're in the process of rewriting the Title IX rule and regulation around it. And this latest proposed rule that is is supposed to separate out sports and how we treat sports is an attempt to obfuscate the giant overreaches that they are attempting through the whole Title IX regulation. And uh, I think everybody has to be ready to fight um, on multiple fronts. First of all, the, the simple protection of the original intent of Title IX, and that is allowing equal access on the part of both male 
males and females to education and everything related to education. Secondly, it uh, it, it go, their their rule um, does does away completely with due process protections in any kind of a and uh, a you know a proceeding around mis- sexual misconduct on campuses, and and then third this transgender uh, you know athlete um, attempted carve out is nothing but a distraction and a sideline to what the core issue is, which is basically trying to uh, define the or to, to redefine the notion of sex being anything anyone chooses to be at any point in time. Betsy, you mentioned what happened to Riley Gaines at San Francisco State University. We had Riley on the program yesterday. That happened in Nancy Pelosi's congressional district. She hasn't said a word. Nancy Pelosi hasn't. Joe Biden's administration, to my knowledge, not one single person has spoken out about that violence at all. If Riley Gaines had been trans, and if she had been showing up on any campus in America saying trans athletes deserve the opportunity to compete as women, and if she had been attacked as a result, they would have immediately commented. How frankly yeah, disappointing and right. unsupportable is the idea that they won't even speak out against the violence even the university itself basically blamed Riley Gaines for the violence that people perpetrated against her well it, it the the reaction here is just inexplicable and um and it should be very very concerning to every american who acknowledges that sex is binary there are males and there are females and this whole transgender movement is a clearly far left movement that has loud uh you know loud adherence that stop at nothing to try to make their point but we have got to speak up and push back and say this is not acceptable uh, first of all everything the Biden administration is doing is a total affront to congress it is uh, there's nothing they're doing that is in line constitutionally it also is an attack on states because about 20 states have actually passed laws banning biological males participating participating on female teams and so this is this is an issue that is only going to gain more steam and momentum but it's got to be around the protection of uh you know of of this notion of equal access on the part of males and females and on uh, a clear and fair and viable framework for how to handle these matters on campuses you know betsy uh, you were part of the trump administration and uh, understand in real detail the workings of the Department of Education. One of the primary missions of Trump both then and going forward, as he says uh, in interviews and, and policy statements, is to drain the swamp. I'm just wondering, I know this is a very broad question, but what would draining the swamp when it comes to education and the education bureaucracies and unions look like in this country? Is it even doable? I think it absolutely is, and we actually started to try to move in that direction with two budgets that basically block-granted everything from uh, the federal level back to the states and local communities. And the the point is that the the focus has to shift, and it has to shift in favor of, first of all, parents in decision-making for their kids and around education freedom policies. And then secondly, taking all of the power and political control that the 
teacher, the school unions and all of their, uh, their allies have amassed in Washington and turning those back to states and local communities to make decisions that are best for their most close to home. Um, the, the, the U.S. Department of Education has been an utter failure at everything it was set up to do. Its mission has been a failure. Kids have been failed because of many of the policies promulgated from there for many, many years. And, uh, and I think folks have finally awakened to this fact. And I, I hope that the momentum continues to build around turning power away from that agency that has basically become nothing more than an arm of the school unions. Last question for you, Betsy, and we appreciate the time because this is a big story. Do you ever anticipate that feminists are going to sign? Because this is one of the problems that Democrats have, right? Left-wingers in particular. Everything is the oppression Olympics. Everything is the identity politics victimization pyramid. Women, in theory, feminists, have been some of the most outspoken proponents of female athletics anywhere. Yet they are mostly, as we mentioned with Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird, staying silently on the sidelines here. What would it take in your mind? Would it take the best women's basketball player being clearly a biological man? Would it take a man winning Wimbledon in women's Wimbledon? What would have to happen in your mind for people to recognize what is coming and how much of a direct threat it is to women's athletics? Well, I think more and more people are recognizing it today as it's becoming uh, more and more ubiquitous across the country. And uh, it, 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 assuming these rules continue to advance as the Biden administration intends, um, there will be a lot more examples, egregious examples, that you know those who are not paying attention today will simply have to turn their eyes to and, and acknowledge this is just not this is not tenable. Uh, the o- massive overreach on the part of this administration in this area and in so many other areas. Um, there, there's no wonder why the president's approval is as low as it is, and it, it continues to go lower. By the way, I know I said last question, but if Trump won re-election, would you want to try to do this all over again? Would you want to run it back as secretary? You know, I've said multiple times that the only way I could see myself going back there would be with the mission of closing the Department of Education. There we go. That's one way to be strong. That's great. Betsy, we appreciate all the things you're doing out there, all the fights you're fighting, and thanks for coming on with us. Thanks so much, guys. Good talking with you. It's Betsy DeVos. She's been right. All of this stuff, Buck. She told us was coming with Title IX. By the way, I mean, if if Trump were to win, he should make her education secretary with that mission. That'd be fantastic. That's why I asked her about the swamp draining. That, That is going up to the side of the swamp dam and hitting it with a sledgehammer right in the center. That'd be amazing. Mark, it's been brutal. The opposite of amazing, by the way. Everyone's talking about inflation. It's everywhere. Buck and I recently met with Dutch Mendenhall. Dutch is the founder of Rad Diversified. He's a patriot. Loves our military. Gives a lot back to our veterans. Dutch and his team are experts at buying cash-flowing real estate. They bought. They brought major stability to thousands of investors in the most volatile of times. For a minimum of $1,000, you can access Rad Diversified's lucrative real estate portfolio. Dutch will take pride in ensuring... All their investors leave a legacy for future generations. Visit RadDiversified.com to connect with one of their team members to learn more. With Rad Diversified, you can reap all the benefits of being a real estate investor without any heavy lifting, starting at only $1,000. We strongly recommend having a diversified investment portfolio. Rad Diversified can help. 
All investments involve risk. Consult a financial advisor and read the prospectus before investing. Learn more at raddiversified.com. The voices of sanity in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. You know, we're, we're talking about the, uh, the fallout that certainly in the public conversation realm and perhaps even financially we'll see. Um, I keep wanting to say Bud, well, Bud Light, but the owner of Bud Light is Anheuser-Busch InBev. Isn't that the, the full uh, corporate? And that has tons and tons of brands. Uh, but, you know, people are seeing this for, for really what it is. Um, and and the, the notion of womanhood being treated as it's it's not even just the fact that people are are all of a sudden declaring their womanhood it's also th- what their version of womanhood is which in the case of of this uh transgender influencer uh Dylan Mulvaney is an adult who acts like really it's an impression of like a 13-year-old girl um, it's, it's no, no woman acts like Dylan Mulvaney doesn't sound like, doesn't gesticulate like, I mean, really, it's like he's trying to pretend to be a teenage girl, which is very, very strange and does not succeed in that 
in that pretense. Um, Tyrus, who is a guy over at Fox who just tells it like it is. He's obviously uh, best known for being uh, part of the uh, Gutfeld show. We've had him here on the show, too. Tyrus just lays it down. I mean, that's really what he does. He sees things. He talks about things as they are. And here's what he had to say about the Dylan Mulvaney situation. Play two. And the issue is the individual who's doing this. He's not representing trans people. He's not. I refuse to believe that. Just like Black Lives Matter didn't represent me. It was a caricature. And this character is a slap in the face of women everywhere. And I'm glad to see that people are saying, no, this is not okay. Oh. Pride flag on a beer can, I'll buy it tomorrow. No problem. But if you're going to make fun of... If you put a person that was making fun of gay people as the character, doing all the, the, the flamboyance and, and stereotypes that go with gay people, I wouldn't buy that beer can either. It's a woman's this face. Is, this, yeah, this goes to what are we really talking about here with the Mulvaney presentation of what, of what a woman is? You know, if, if, you, if you did, I mean, I, I think he makes an interesting point here. If you represented a member of, of the, the gay community in... You know, in a, in a way that was overly stereotypical, exaggerated, and and bizarre. Uh, that wouldn't people wouldn't approve of that. I think women need to be talking about this in the context as this is modern day blackface, and the reason blackface was offensive, as Tyrus is laying out, is because it was not representative of actual black life. It was people pretending to be black for purposes of ridicule the way that this person is pretending to be a woman is a modern day version of blackface it's woman face and women have to stand up i mean this is crazy the guy is trying to sell sports bras for nike he's a man he doesn't have breasts he's selling women's leggings and he has a penis and testicles. Like he is a biological man. You know, I also, you know, it's like if you're going to sell like a safety cup for when people play baseball or ice hockey, you know. Yes. You got to have the gear. Well, I mean, in a funny way, tying into that, Haley Karania, who's at Outkick Buck, she's been arguing for her own jock strap commercial. She said she doesn't have a penis, anything to protect there, but she mm-hmm. thinks that in this new era, who cares about genitals? Let's just sell jock straps with women models. Um, by the way, really hot women models might sell jockstraps better than men. Uh, one small business after another affected by the pandemic over the past three years, benefiting from an IRS tax refund plan called the Employee Retention Credit. It's ERC for short. If you own or operate a small business, have you applied for it yet? Go to GetRefunds.com to get started. It doesn't cost you anything. They've returned over $3 billion to people who have done it. it takes eight minutes or less. Again, go check it out. GetRefunds.com. You may well qualify. Doesn't cost you anything. GetRefunds.com. Slay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I wanna confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 